Welcome back to Movie Trailer News Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, here with Ro. And uh, I'm here just to let Ro talk about this movie. It's, what, 3,000 Years of Longing is the name of the film? I did not see. What yes, it's George Miller's latest. Got you. Okay. Uh, tell us about the film. Uh, so, we, we know who George Miller is. He made Mad Max Fury Road. So, him announcing that he wants to make an epic fairy tale starring. Idris Ilba and Tilda Swinton is something I'm going to pay attention to. Now, when you then turn around and also tell me that it's based on a short story that I got completely hooked on when it came out, because I'm a big fat fucking nerd, I'm going to watch it. So we got a screening here. I'm slightly dismayed that it wasn't an IMAX. But um, if you do go see this movie, it is absolutely a visual stunner from beginning to end. You got clear skies, you've got rich depth, you've got color. It's it's George Miller. You know he knows how to take an unwieldy big huge epic and, and turn it into a kinetic adventure, especially when you give a good cast. So, uh if you don't know anything about this movie, it's about a woman named Althea who is a narratologist, which means she studies narrative. She studies stories about stories. So, people who investigate myths, folklore, legends, even like historical accounts, and they look at them for their connection to the real world, but mostly to the story itself. It's kind of like they're the people who go around and can find every story that exists in all the cultures that um, have a flood and kind of go, maybe this was something that really happened and all these different cultures of the world over had to figure out a way to explain this massive thing that happened and now they all have a story, you know? The Bible's got the Ark, we've got Gilgamesh, we've got Beowulf, yada, 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 yada. They're those people. She's supposed to be a, sl- a late-life spinster, and she's going to Istanbul, Istanbul for a conference. They change the perspective, so she's the narrator, and she opens the movie by saying that what she's about to tell you is true, but she'll tell it to you like a fairy tale, so you'd be more inclined to listen and potentially, you know, believe. That's great. Pretty standard device. And when you realize that this is based off something that's kind of written in a windy, twisty, heavily literary writing narrative style and strategy, it makes absolute sense to kind of dial all that back. Because um, what was your major in, in school, Chris? Computer science. Right. So did you really enjoy it when they made you take all them random ass general English classes where you're reading old shit. <laughs> I didn't do that in college. You didn't have to do that? Oh, I hate you. You know, I just took like one standard, I think, standard English class and that was it. Or no, I know what it was. I think I, because I had AP English, I think. Yeah. Oh, you, and, oh, you and tested I, out. Yeah, I tested out. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, I don't do any other shit. Oh, smart yeah. man. Yeah, okay, yeah. so for the people who didn't test out, if you went to a school that required you to have a general liberal arts education, these are the kind of stories and tales where somebody has said the words the Canterbury's tale to you and made you read like the prologue or one of the other tales, right? Or maybe you had to read something like out of A Thousand and One Nights about Shazerazad trying not to die because she got to convince this man that he wants to hear the next story rather than take her virginity and kill her because he is a sad excuse for a man who doesn't believe in the honesty and loyalty of women. So the story is all about those kind of things, and it juggles those types of things. And then you have the other side where this woman 
she's going around in Istanbul. She finds this glass. She takes it home. She opens it and a gin, a gin comes out. We call them genies. And you know, all the rules about gin get three wishes, but in the world that she comes from, you know, that there's always a, all tales about the three wishes or cautionary tales about, you know, the wisher never being happy. Right. It's kind of like people who like to say money doesn't make you happy. And I always say, try being poor. So the second half of the story is about the relationship, about how she uses her wishes and the gin teaching her about the pitfalls of the witches, why the wishes and wishing and satisfying her interest in stories, but also telling about his years stuck captive attached to being a genie in a bottle. And now I got Christina Aguilera stuck in my head and I can't even be mad at you because I did this to myself. Now, the way that Miller twists this story is it's more of a straightforward narrative. There's a lot more show than there is tell. It's very smart. It's really engaging. I won't speak to whether or not he goes too far in leaning into the archetypes that come from the fairy tales with respect to how he demonstrates her being abroad and what is the cultural look and feel of the movie. But it, to me as an observer and having seen how the ones that feel heavily exploitive, it didn't feel like that. It felt like he very deliberately and smartly wrapped everything up and around in the land of myth and fantasy. So you knew that these were supposed to be the images of a story world. It's all supposed to be storybook, less reality. I think that's also one of the failings in this movie because the other half of the story is about this woman, Althea, and her world and her wishes and what's happening in her life. And by turning the story there, he causes a problem. I was extremely engaged from the moment that Idris Ilba took over the storytelling as the gent. Uh, the flashbacks to the tales that he wants to tell her, they kind of break it up chapter style the way you would a fable. Um, you still get the, you get the title cards, you get the break. If you like those things in the green Knight, not necessarily the pace, this moves a little faster and it's got a lot more dynamic levels. So I, say, I'm look, I'm, I haven't seen anything about this, um, but I'm looking at the runtime. It's only an hour and 48 minutes, which seems low for a George Miller film. Right. No, he kept it tight. He kept it right and tight. He picked really carefully because this is also only based off a short story. Mm, so he didn't sense. try to go too far beyond the remit, if that makes any sense. No, that does. Okay, that makes sense. Right. And this could have dragged this woman. I love A.S. Byte, but Homegirl can write a sentence that's a paragraph before you get a period. I've never seen somebody who knows how to use commas and semicolons more to write the way I sometimes talk without breathing better in my life. So. George was very smart not to lean too far into the tangents and the asides that the story narrator get hung up on, right? He sticks and he was very, very careful about the path that he dragged and the characters that he brought in. And the timeline works, the chronology works, the story works, the world building works, everything works. Um, it, it's it's beautiful. It's masterful. It's gorgeous to look at. I mean, Idris is fine. He keeps slipping into other languages. They're very smart about the way that they show how he can uh, acclimate quickly to the society that he hasn't been in if he's been stuck in the bottle 
for long periods of time. And the way that they show that is really, really smart. And it's also a, a nice bit of, you know, visual effects that it's not big, but it feels really seamless. But it also makes when some of the other visual effects are not quite as effective, it makes it more obvious when they stick out as to not work. There's a there's a moment there where they kind of do something that's supposed to be uh, giving you a, a visual representation of something that's clearly happening on a more cerebral and in the, uh, you know, astral plane level that the image doesn't quite hit on the screen. And that could be the quality of the screen I had or but I feel like it's the quality of the shot that was made. And that was a little weird for George, but it's not completely out of it because there were a couple of scenes that were a little jarringly off in Fury Road 2 that didn't all the way work. But overall, uh, the the choices he made narratively were smart. There's just, you know, one problem. Tilda Swinton. You don't care. You zero investment in her. You don't know enough about her to make some of the moves and decisions and the way she behaves work as seamlessly. So she comes across a little as a selfish scene partner for Idris Elba. And he's carrying a heavier load than he should, but it's because she doesn't have enough of the character. We, he changed too much from Jillian in the short story to Althea on the screen. And that kind of speaks to a little bit of Miller's problem with designing women characters. Like, he's all gung-ho to be, like, the in-your-face Furosa. But when it comes to what's motivating them, what's driving them, the vulnerable parts of them, he cuts out some of the whimsy. So some of the, the magic that's supposed to work about the passionate buildup and the lovecraft that happens between these two, between the storytelling and the wish-granting, it doesn't work because you don't believe Althea. Did he also Alif do the writing for the script? Um, I want to say yes, but Probably. I don't think he did it by himself. Let me double check right quick. No, go ahead. I got it. I'll it up. Yep, it's him and Augusta Gore. Okay. okay. Do we know her? And the only thing I know Augusta from is this. Yeah, I don't know them from anything else, but it's um, it's imbalanced. Yeah, it's, it's she only, did. It's the only thing under Augusta Gore. So for all I know, yeah, for all I know, yeah. that, might, that might be a pseudonym for George Miller. And and George just wanted to make people think that he uh, wrote with a woman. Yeah, yeah possibly. I mean, but I mean, this isn't the first time that George Miller has had a bit of a problem making a three dimensional woman. Mm hmm. And, but whereas it's kind of a little bit forgivable, it, it wasn't forgivable, but it was kind of a little bit made up for by the sheer number of women who came together to represent, quote, women, woman in Fury Road. You don't have that here. You have Tilda Swinton playing this character who's supposed to embody all of these things that's supposed to be impacted and affected by the stories in the past that the Jen is telling her. And it doesn't completely work because she's hollow. Like in the short story, this is a woman who's a late life spinster, meaning she's divorced. Um, 
she now she's comfortable she owns her own home she is an expert in her field she's always in demand and the fact that her marriage didn't last and kind of fell apart uh was something that made her have to have a reckoning with how she felt about herself and you know in the story she flat out says i felt like a door of a cage had been opened i felt free and fully in my life does that sound like somebody who said that their husband left because it didn't to me so the way they played in the movie is a little different and in the movie they made her never having had like a family life and and it doesn't make sense because this person is so enamored of stories that they spend their life examining them researching them out and finding all the different ways that they that they they fit and what it means she's a whimsical woman but they have they have Tilda playing her really detached and stoic and, you know, so self-contained as to say that she wants for nothing, she needs nothing, and she res- and, and that she rests in contentment, which therefore means she has no deepest or heart's desire. And that's some bullshit. Which then makes the, the kind of trajectory and the journey they have her go on through experiencing his past kind of not hit and they fall off once the movie doesn't have any more flashbacks and is completely in the hands of following her narrative because you just don't care you like it like Idris Elba is is fantastic and the fantasy ride he takes us on is amazing and there is a woman in here who's supposed to be playing Sheba as in the queen of Sheba that is supposed to be the epitome and the embodiment of beauty. And if that is what Sheba looked like in real life, yeah, yeah. Cause that, 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 I, what, I don't, I need to find her name. Cause I think this might be the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Her name is Amito Lagum, A A M I T O L A G U M. And she is a Ugandan actress and she is, insanely beautiful in this movie so the story they weave around her and the legend is about the queen of sheba and her relationship with solomon and everything that they tell about it is just it's ridiculous and that's the movie i wanted to see those are the parts of the movie that are successful every single time he starts to tell about one of his experiences of being called from the bottle I don't care whatever else is going on. You are immediately going to say, that's the movie I wish I was watching. All of this is the story I wish I was watching. Why couldn't this just be about him? This, this story, this movie has one too many leads. Hmm. And it feels a little quite, quite um, annoying, so to speak, because I don't, it, it's yeah. It's just something about the way they design Aletha Benny and the story they put around it. They the things they had to do to make sure that she maintained mastery, and I do mean that word, is a complete juxtaposition to for how they want you to feel about the wishes that she makes. And I really enjoyed this movie. I do suggest that people go see it, see it in the best screen and sound because the soundtrack and that they put together is really beautiful and lyrical. 
it's got wit, it's got whimsy, it's an amazing fantasy tale. It might actually kind of be a gateway for people who don't necessarily know anything about some of the non-Western fairy tales and myth. And you'll recognize some of the ways in which we have tropes in movies now that come from the non-Western world. And all of those parts, I feel like, were dense and they were luscious and they were gorgeous. And Idris Elba was perfectly situated and suited to be the djinn. But the second that we had to come into the modern world and the contemporary setting and the dynamic that was established between the djinn and Aletha Benny, played by Tilda Swinton, it does not fully work. And when you get to the final act, like there's, it just, you're not properly invested in her. So, it kind of feels a little colorless. And as a Black person watching this movie, when I got all the way to the end and I saw what the final moments were, I, 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 I was like, absolutely the fuck not. Mm. Yeah. What would you give it out of 10? I give it about a six and a half. I'm I'm serious. I really still enjoy this movie for all the complaints that I have with it. If you haven't ever read this short story, you don't need to in order to see this movie. He does tell a, co- a chronological and cohesive story. Um, so I can't really fault that. I just don't. This is one of those times where the conceits that Miller has about women and the motivations of women and how they interact with people, they kind of, they're they're a little loud. It also plays into, you know, just a little bit of slave play. Mm. And you know, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really here for the narratives that kind of lean into that. And I know that that's not what they were going for, but because of the way that they had designed Alethea and the direction that they had the story on the screen go, you can't get away from some of those overtones when you're talking about somebody who is a captive. So how much of what they're doing is really of their own free will. You feel me? You feel me? Mm-hmm. And he didn't ever really do anything to, to properly address those moments. So when you get to the latter half of the movie, again, he cut too deep in designing how he wanted the story to go. And part of that is because of the stuff that he left out about this character at the end. He had to make some changes to how that narrative was supposed to go. And he tried to have his cake and eat it too. And it starts to be very disjointed and uneven. And so the love connection that he's starting to develop doesn't work. And he thinks that there's one moment where he has um, Alethea say something to Jen that's supposed to resolve or absolve her of any kind of, you know, Stockholmy captor abuse type things and supposed to be this moment and and it feels really like I'm on my deathbed so I might as well go on ahead and grant you freedom in my in my you know my last will and testament type feel and then there's an after moment where you're just like man we didn't need it we didn't need that but because he fed the narrative fully through her instead of having a third party who was talking about the story, you kind of have no choice but to come back around and see the end through her perspective and then blow out there to the, you know, walk off into the sunset type type deal or, you know, fade to black or whatever, how you want to describe those end scenes for fairy tales. And this is a fairy tale. It is a fantasy. So you do kind of get that wrap around at the end. And I feel 
like the first half of the movie is much stronger than the second half for the reasons I've said before. I do feel like that it was amazingly well cast. It was, it's got a depth of character everywhere except for the primary female lead. Um, and I do feel like as much as I think Tilda Swinton is a fantastic actress, I think that sometimes she's a selfish scene partner. Mm. Okay. Um, all right. So you said six and a half? Yes, it's a six and a half. Um, but it's it's still a strong it's it's like if you want to suspend reality and just go watch something that's chaotic and even when the story is fighting each other, it's still enchanting and and there's something in here that you can get out of it, even if you're just about the costumes and the fantasy. And hell, I, there's some straight up murder in this motherfucker too, so there ain't nothing wrong with that. It's just right. yeah. It's just it it's weighed down by a disjointed character study that masquerades as a love connection that I don't think works. Yeah, no. It, yeah. Makes sense. So all right. Yeah, but there there are people who have very strong feelings who flat out will say this movie does not work. I will disagree with that, but I don't think it works completely. And I appreciate you letting me babble at you because bruh, I tried to write this review from the no. day I saw the movie and my notes are still all over the place. So no. I appreciate you. No problem. So, all right, folks. Uh, we have a, couple, a few other movies coming out uh, that we will be reviewing in upcoming weeks. So, uh, just stay tuned. Make sure you guys subscribe. Movie trailer reviews. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. We'll be back soon. Till next time, we're out of here. Peace. <laughs>